0: What's going on, everybody? And welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler. Welcome in to Week Six preview of the Atlanta Falcons. Washington Commanders now two and three head down to the A to face the three and two NFC Souths. Arthur Smith led. Desmond Ritter led. Bijan Robinson, Drake London, Kyle Pitts led. Atlanta Falcons. It's crazy to think, guys. We are already in Week Six. But a massive matchup for the Burgundy Gold this week. Again, as they head down to the beautiful Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. A spot that has been extremely friendly for the Atlanta Falcons so far this year. There are only three teams in football with at least three wins at home. It's the undefeated San Francisco 49ers, who are 3-0 at home. The Kansas City Chiefs, who won last night against the Denver Broncos. They're 4-0 at home. And it is the Atlanta Falcons, who have beaten the Packers, the Panthers, and they won last week in a close one against the Houston Texans by two, who are 3-0 at home. So this is not going to be easy for the Commanders going down into Atlanta this week. Expectations on Washington's side of the ball are up in the air this week, for me. I know this week has been centered a lot around Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio. Hanging the sign in Ashburn that says "Do Your Job." There's some questions around this roster right now in this organization as far as where the exact track and where they're headed in the near future. Is it a wild card berth? Is that the goal? Is it a division title? Is that the goal? Because at the end of the day, two and three, not terrible. It's not. Would I like to be five and zero or four and one? Yeah, of course. 3-2 and would be nice as well. But allowing over 140 points the last month of the season, and now three straight losses, especially how they lost last week at home by 20 in prime time at home, to the, at that time, winless Chicago Bears, you need some answers this week. You cannot go down to Atlanta... And lose by two touchdowns. And expect things to be okay if you are head coach Ron Rivera. GM Martin Mayhew in Washington Brass. As they head next week in week seven, again on the road, against the New York Giants. And say what you want about the New York Giants. But divisional games in the NFL are tough in general. And winning on the road in the NFL is extremely tough. No matter who you play, It does not matter. If you're new here, welcome. We are going to dive into the layers of the Atlanta Falcons. Not just looking at a depth chart and who the quarterback is at Desmond Ritter, and their sexy skill players that they got on the outside. Headlined by Drake London and Kyle Pitts, two first-round picks. We're going to dive into their offensive line. Are we going to see Caleb McGarry this week at right tackle? What they like to do schematically behind Arthur Smith's run-heavy scheme? They're very unique, what they like to do in the run game, then open up play action, some deep shots down the field. We're going to get into their defensive uh, schematics. Their front four, veterans along that front four with Grady Jarrett, David Onyemata, who they brought over from New Orleans to follow their defensive, new defensive coordinator, Ryan Nielsen. Bud Dupree is a veteran in this league who gets off the edge for them. Some young players in the secondary. We're gonna get into everything the Atlanta Falcons and how Washington can go in there this week and give them their first home loss and get back on the right track that they have to. Because if they leave Atlanta at two and four with two divisional games coming up next week against the Giants and then you host the now the right now five and zero Philadelphia Eagles, it's tough sledding with a lot of tough games to come on the schedule. So. Let's get into it here. Bottom line, ladies and gentlemen, it starts, as always, at the quarterback position with Desmond Ritter, a guy they took out of Cincinnati on day two in 2022, the same draft that Washington took Sam Howell on. So they were both down at the Senior Bowl in Mobile down in 2022, getting live eyes on both of those guys to where those quarterbacks really didn't separate themselves down there. Actually, quarterback Malik Willis of Liberty, who's now at the Tennessee Titans, hasn't received a lot of opportunity there. He was the best quarterback at that event, uh, again, in the early portions of the winter in 2022. But now these guys are in year two already of the NFL, and Desmond's first opportunity to really be this guy that has the keys to the offense of Arthur Smith's attack. And when I dove into Desmond Ritter's film, especially the last few weeks, and what I saw last week against the Houston Texans, he is becoming more confident under center and what i look for in a young quarterback as far as what i can see in their conviction and their confidence and their poise is you just watch a guy's back foot for a quarterback that is again young in this league and learning the ins and outs and getting their feet wet at the nfl level if they're sitting in the pocket and they're finishing their one three or five step drop and their feet are bouncing they got some happy feet they're not really sure what they're looking at they're quick to tuck and run or quick to tuck and take a sack or not to get the ball out of their hands. Desmond Ritter, from what I saw against Houston, he is dropping back, sticking that back foot in the ground, and ripping throws. He's throwing guys open over the middle of the field. There was a really nice throw um, in the early portions of that ball game to where he hit a tight end over the middle of the field. Henry To'o To'o, a rookie linebacker for the Houston Texans, was right on him, but he threw it to the back shoulder over the middle of the field to throw his receiver open. When you see a young quarterback start to throw receivers open when they technically in the textbook of quarterbacking, they aren't open. That's progression. That's evolvement of the quarterback position. We've seen that from Sam Howell already, which is excellent to see. But Desmond Ritter, if you ask Atlanta fans, you ask Atlanta media members or some scouts that talk to just to get a little bit of a background on Desmond, they haven't seen that a lot um, through the early portions of his career. So just last week specifically against a young, aggressive, hungry D'Amico Ryan's defensive-minded head coach for the Texans, a close game in Atlanta last week, of course, that the Falcons won. They're seeing progression from Desmond. Now, he is not somebody that's going to make his money tossing it down the field like a Patrick Mahomes or a Justin Herbert slinging it down the field. He wants to live in that 10 to 20-yard range of the offense. And when I dove into, into the numbers, excuse me, he loves to target the left side of the formation it's very rare he will target the right side of the hash so take the hashes right down the middle of the field near Desmond Ritter looking straight down to the goalpost, the right side of the hash he doesn't like to target there a ton but the middle that zero to five yard range right in the middle right in front of his face he loves to hit those tight ends and to the left side of the line of scrimmage he loves to target that side. So, 0 to 10 yards, 10 to 15, and 20 plus to take his occasional shots. The left side, guys, it's a, just some, the numbers that stood out a ton when looking at Desmond Ritter. Again, the left side of the formation, they love to put Drake London on that side. The motion out Kyle Pitts, force guys to add another safety on the field or a linebacker over him or force a corner over him. Big, strong, physical dude. A reason why they took him with a top 10 pick years ago. He's a matchup nightmare, and they like to line him up. Again, on the left side of the formation, that's where Desmond Ritter, early in this 2023 campaign, has made his living. So if I'm Washington and I'm Jack Del Rio, and they have access to the same numbers I do, I'm forcing him, I'm blitzing him off that left side, and I'm forcing him out to the right. Now, usually, you want to send pressure from the opposite side because as a right-handed quarterback... You want him running to the left to where if he wants to make a throw, he's going to be off-platform. He's going to have to flip his hips. Doesn't have that same torque that he does rolling to his right. But if he doesn't actually like to go to that side of the formation, force him elsewhere. This is a huge week for Jack Del Rio as a whole. This defense cannot be historically bad. That is what they are on track to be right now. Historically bad. Can't do it. They have too much talent on the defensive side of the ball to where sometimes you just line up 11 guys on defense and say, go play with your hair on fire, and usually you could have some success. But schematically, what Washington's doing right now with being spoiled of sending four and trying to get home, not sending pressure up the middle on the corners, not being schematically different on the back end, who's dropping, who's not, who's coming, who's not, who's blitzing, who's not. Are we going to be mugged up with three or four guys showing a six or seven man pressure only to drop guys? Are we going to see more Quan Martin this week? We should. Christian Holmes, a seventh rounder out of Oklahoma State, has not practiced all week. Is that more Danny Johnson? Is that more Tariq Castro Fields? They're going to uh, promote him from the practice squad. We will see. Manuel Forbes bench last week. Rough two weeks against D.J. Moore and A.J. Brown. Again, his last two outings. He's going to have to learn under fire, and he has. But the concerns that we've had over Emmanuel Forbes the last two weeks and what we've seen were the concerns that we had when he came out of Mississippi State. It's trusting his technique and its play strength at the top of routes against bigger, stronger, faster receivers at the NFL level because he's he's covering wide receiver ones at the highest level of the game. He's not covering guys at Florida or Mississippi or at LSU or Vanderbilt, or Missouri. It's just, it's different. It's a different level. And he's quickly been embarrassed these last two weeks. And for me, I think it's going to be good for Emmanuel. I I really do. I think he has a lot of talent. The talent is there. He does have to get stronger. That's something that we know. Not asking him to bulk up to where he loses a lot of that fundamental flexibility and power and speed that he has specifically in the lower half to generate Just a high-level athletic profile to where he can go vertical. He can elongate his stride and catch up to guys on the outside with 4-3 speed. He can go over the top of guys. He can fight through the hands of players. But setting the edge in the run game, an effort to do so there, needs to be improved. Not being pushed off routes. Not getting too instinctive with your eyes. Double moves against Philadelphia all day long. The Bears game took over the top with DJ Moore. Yards after catch. Coming downhill with patience, not being a bull in a china shop. We're going to see him this week. You cannot have a first-round pick. And now five weeks into it, now moving into week six, can't just bench the guy. Wouldn't look good if you're Martin Mayhew taking these guys on draft day. Manuel Forbes, your first-round pick, and Quan Martin as your second-round pick. Really, Quan, not a defensive snap through five weeks. Can't happen. Manuel Forbes has to be better. And he's going to play this week. Does he play 80% of the snaps or more that we've seen? I don't know. Is he more in that 50 to 60 to 65 range? Possibly. But behind him, looks like the top two corners are going to earn the most snaps this week are Kendall Fuller and Benjamin St. Just. Then it's Danny Johnson. Then it's guys like Tariq Castro Fields. This Atlanta Falcons group has guys. Desmond Ritter can hit guys over the middle of the field. He can zip it a little bit. And he's playing with confidence. He is somebody, from the quarterbacks that we've seen so far early in this year, from a mobility perspective, he's a lot like a Josh Dobbs from Car- from the Cardinals. Excuse me. He is somebody that wants to make his money inside the pocket. Not saying he isn't mobile. He is. He can run. He had a rushing touchdown last week on a really nice RPO, fake jet motion look that they ran to the left side of the formation. Again, last week against the Texans at the goal line. And he scored he can run. He is plenty mobile if he has to tuck and run, but he wants to make his money inside the pocket. So that is Desmond Ritter. What we're going to see from him this week, young kid, a lot of talent, good arm, smart, mobile, tough, and he will keep this Atlanta team in ball games. If Washington just wants to rush four, he will sit back And dissect this defense. I promise you that. They have to get after him this week. The easiest way to create turnover-worthy plays in the NFL, no matter if you're a first-year guy or a 10-year guy, is to create pressure. You have to. They have to get after Desmond Riveter this week. We say it every darn week. Not just the front four. They have to win their matchups, of course, if they get one-on-one opportunities. But when teams keep tight ends in, and teams keep running backs in to protect, and you got six or seven-man protections, and you're only sending four... It makes it tough when your secondary is asked to cover for three or four seconds. It's tough. They have to get after Desmond Raider this week, and there's no excuse. There's no excuse if they don't. Alongside him is the running back group, which is a really, really young and fun tandem of ball carriers. Really three guys. Cordell Patterson is more of that weapon X type of guy. You'll see him as an H-back, running back, a fullback, that weapon X uh, for this offense that you see a lot of Curtis Samuel do in this in the Eric enemy run offense, For Washington, but it is headlined. Before I get to our guy Bijan Robinson, who's just absolutely fantastic, uh, is Tyler Algier, fifth rounder out of BYU last year, just had an excellent rookie season. He's got 62 carries through five games. Bijan's got 67, so really they split time uh, evenly in the backfield. But Bijan Robinson, first round pick uh, in in the spring, out of Texas, the top running back in the class. I will say it right now, guys, that I think Bijan Robinson is one of the top two or three backs in football, if and he may not be two or three. Um, he is absolutely fantastic. Now, he has yet to get into the end zone yet on the ground. He's got two receiving touchdowns through five games, but five and a half yards a pop, 364 yards compared to Algiers, 191, and Algiers bent the end zone twice, but again, 191 yards and 3.1 yards a pop. Um, on 62 carries. Bijan is just, he's fantastic. Um, He can make guys miss in open space. He can run around you. He can run through you. He's extremely smart. He's not scared to stay in and pass pro. And when they flex him out in space, he can actually run routes. It's not a guy that's just going to ask him to run a quick little real route or a quick little clear out route or just a little screen play. He can legitimately run routes like a wide receiver in this league. So Another safety on the field, a potential, another corner on the field to cover him on the perimeter, or he will eat Jamin Davis and Cody Barton alive on the perimeter, uh, one-on-one opportunities, wherever they may align, whether they're within the thirties or they're inside the red area. Um, fantastic athlete, fantastic ball carrier. He's just a fantastic football player, and they are going to have to limit him this week. If Bijan Robinson gets going and, and Tyler Algear, same thing. If you look up at halftime or into the first quarter and they got a combined 70, 80 yards on the ground, it's going to be a long day for this Washington defense, similarly to what we've seen or really come to expect over this last month of the season. They are a dynamic tandem of ball carriers, very similarly built, but Bijan's got more electricity um, in his skill set. Just more of that guy that can take it the distance, doesn't have a 4-2, four, 4-3 four, guy. He's not that type of athlete, but he has excellent foot quickness. Excellent vision, just a flat-out stud uh, at the running back position and a, a perfect spot for him to fall in Arthur Smith's offense to where you guys remember him in Tennessee with Derrick Henry and how they fed him through the run game. That is their offense and, in Atlanta. They asked John U. Smith and Kyle Pitts as their tight ends to block on the edges and create holes for Bijan. They pull their guards. They'll pull their tackles. They do a lot of unique things inside zone, outside zone. They'll run downhill and some power. At the goal line, they'll run right at you. They'll do some unique things with tosses and sweeps and some reverses to Caderel Hodge on the perimeter. They are unique in the run game. And these two with Bijan and Tyler Algier are a dynamic tandem that can go, get going quickly and put 200 plus yards on the ground on this Washington defense uh, if they're not careful and they're not gap-disciplined. Their linebackers aren't good in setting the edge, and the corners, especially this week, working around those big bodies on the perimeter, they have got to set the edge this week. Um, if they don't want to see Bijan Robinson have a career game, now in his sixth game in the NFL, again, as a first-round rookie this spring out of Texas. So from there, let's go to the big boys up front before we get to the wide receivers and the tight ends. Um, this is a really underrated front five for the Atlanta Falcons headlined by guard Chris Lidstrom and tackle Jake Matthews a first rounder a long time ago um, out of Texas A&M. Drew Dahlman their center uh, he leads the team in pressures with 13 but he's only allowed one sack through five games. Jake Matthews hasn't had a perfect start to the year he's allowed four sacks in five games but he, he is one of the more underrated tackles in football in my opinion. They have a rookie and left guard, Matthew Bergeron, taken out of Syracuse this year on day two. He is someone that's still getting his feet wet at the NFL level, but he came into this draft as the best pure run blocker in this draft. And it's a perfect fit in Atlanta. I just talked about their run game and how unique they want to be. He's someone that can pull. He's got really strong hands. He wins the leverage point, wins with his hands first. He's excellent, super smart dude as well uh, within the interior. Again, that's left guard Matthew Bergeron, who's played all 334 snaps for them so far through five games. Again, at left guard, rookie out of Syracuse. Uh, Just quickly from left to right, just so you guys know the names, it is going to be Jake Matthews at left tackle, Bergeron at left guard, Drew Dahlman center, Chris Litzrum, I just mentioned at right guard, and then right tackle is a spot to keep an eye on. Recording this early on Friday morning, have yet to see if Uh, Caleb McGarry, their right tackle is going to go. That's the only position this year, guys, that they've actually swapped um, positions. So all the other spots along the offensive line has been one guy. So they've had some camaraderie through five weeks. Right tackle, they've seen Caleb McGarry play, and they've also seen Storm Norton, who used to be the right tackle for the Los Angeles Chargers, went to the practice squad for the Saints, and is now um, their backup at right tackle. McGarry hasn't practiced all week. He was limited on Thursday or excuse me, he was limited on Thursday and limited on Wednesday, excuse me. But if he can't go, Storm Norton is a drastically below average uh, football player and right tackle in this league. So Montez Sweat, Chase Young, potentially getting F.A. Obata back this week, happy to see him healthy. They have to eat one-on-one opportunities. And I'm sure they'll give him help with a tight end or running back on that side, which is good because you take away another skill player. But the edge guys for Washington this week are going to have to be good. Right, I, I just mentioned Jake Matthews, four sacks in five games. And if McGarry can't go, even if he isn't 100%, they got <clears> to <throat> win those one-on-one matchups. They got to win those one-on-one matchups. So that is their front five. Uh, again, really underrated, specifically with Chris Lidstrom. He's been fantastic since he entered the league as a first-rounder out of Boston College back in 2019. And again, Matthew Bergeron as a day-two pick out of Syracuse last year, early second-rounder really good young ball player that's that's really gotten his feet wet quickly um, for this falcons offense from there let's move to the athletes on the perimeter but first we'll start with their inline guys that more so flex weapons but kyle pitts and johnny smith um they also will roster michael pruitt who you may see a little bit of number 85 they brought him over from tennessee Kyle Pitts. Guys, um, finally got going. I know you fantasy guys out there were happy if you have Kyle Pitts on your roster. Probably not going to want to see him go off this week, though. Um, Near 10 catches last week. 87 yards against the Texans. Dynamic over the middle of the field. Can stretch the seam like a wide receiver. They put him out on some screen plays. Dynamic in in the open field. Can run routes like a receiver. He's really changed the vision and how people scout the tight end position and how they insert them in their offense. Since he came out of Florida a couple years ago as a top ten pick um, in that Trevor Lawrence draft as the fourth overall selection, he is electric. He is as athletic as they come. He can block his tail off as well. Now he's not a dominant in line blocker. They don't ask him to be a further extension of the line, but he is a matchup nightmare. For any defense in football. There is not a linebacker in football. Maybe Fred Warner. With the San Francisco 49ers. As the lone linebacker in my mind. That can cover him one-on-one. Or at least stay hip to hip with him. But it's really been Smith. Guys as their leader. In the tight ends room. Through five weeks. Kyle Pitts again finally got going. Against Houston Texans last week. He's still second on the team in targets with 30. But he's only caught 18 balls. For 208 yards. Uh, hasn't gotten in the end zone. They've only thrown four touchdown passes through five weeks. So it's less than one a game. And it's Drake London with two. And it's B. John Robinson, running back, with two. So Kyle Pitts, again, John Smith. Mac Hollins, who we'll get to on the outside. Cordero Hodge, Michael Pruitt, Scotty Miller. None of those guys. Cordero Patterson, none of those guys have gotten in the end zone. It's just Drake London and B. John Robinson. But as unique as they get with their 12 personnel, again, one running back with two tight ends with Smith and with Pitts, they can run right at you. They can pop play action over the middle of the field and just get the ball in the guy's hands seven yards away from the line of scrimmage and create in space. Not like Washington's tight ends to where it's five yards, turn, catch, fall. It's five yards, turn, make a guy miss, make another guy miss, outrun a guy's angle, and now we're 20 yards down the field. That is what both Kyle Pitts and Jonu Smith can do for this offense. So they're going to be a massive, massive focal point for Washington's defense this week. And in my opinion, I'm focusing on shoring up the box and shoring up the fringe areas of the defense before I'm ever worried about Drake London and Mac Collins this week. I know Drake London, we're going to get into in a sec, big body can go vertical over the top of guys, but if you don't limit Bijan in space and you don't limit Kyle Pitts and Jonu Smith in space early in this ball game, you allow them to get going, it's going to be tough. Because it's going to be easy pitch and catch, turn and run, and outrun guys to where you're not asking Desmond Ritter to sit back for three seconds and go through three progressions and target guys through tight windows 15 to 20 yards down the field. It's just going to be simple pitch and catch, little pop pass here, little dink pass here, little screen here, then we're running it down your throat for six, seven yards a pop. That's the offense for the Atlanta Falcons, that churn clock, not a big chunk play team. They just want to churn clock, pop some play action, take an occasional shot, 20 to 25 yards down the field. And it's headlined by, again, B. John Robinson, Jonu Smith, and Kyle Pitts at running back and tight end. So now we'll get into the receivers room. Drake London, as I just mentioned, he leads their team in targets with 31. He's only caught 17 of them. He's only caught nearly 50% of the targets. 204 yards again and two touchdowns, about 12 yards of reception for him. Former first-rounder out of USC. Battled a calf injury during his time with USC in his final season, but he's been fully healthy, really, For the Atlanta Falcons since he entered the league. Uh, Dynamic athlete on the outside. Not overwhelmingly big. He doesn't have a A.J. Brown, that big bulking type of of frame that you see um, from a lot of these bigger guys, but he is a fantastic receiver that understands how to run routes, separate, and to again go over the top of any corner, whether you're 5'10 Kendall Fuller or a 6'1", 6'2 Benjamin St. Juice with, with long arms. I expect Benjamin St. to get some some reps this week over Drake London. I, I Kendall Fuller has been really good. Um, but, you know, he doesn't have the athleticism that he once had when he first entered the league out of Washington for Washington out of Virginia Tech. Not that same type of athlete. But Drake London, 6'4", over 210 pounds. Again, top 10 pick last year out of USC. Just a really athletic young kid. Um, this is an offense that is littered with him. I just mentioned Kyle Pitts, and I talked about Bijan Robinson a ton. That's three guys. That's their three focal points within their offense. As good as he is in the red zone, just throwing up a fade ball. He's got a 40-inch vert or 40-inch plus vert. He can go over the top of you and really good hands as well. He's not a body catcher. Doesn't catch everything within his frame right across his chest plate. He has great hands. They're able to extend away from his frame. His catch radius that you'll hear in scouting. He's just excellent. Guys, he's an excellent young receiver in this league. And you could say that he hasn't had a lot of opportunity because of Desmond Ritter under center. But, I mean, every single week, you look at week three, six targets, seven targets next week at Jacksonville when they played in London, and then this past week at home, nine more targets. So he is heavily featured in this Falcons offense as he should because the other receivers around him, and Matt Collins, big body out of... They took, got brought him over from, from the Vegas Raiders, uh, and they just traded for Van Jefferson from the Rams to we'll get into a second. And Kadero Hodge is more of that inside-outside special teams type of guy that they brought over from Detroit this offseason. So the focus for me is Drake London. Matt Collins, a big receiver, gets some opportunities down the field and stretch his legs a little bit. And it's Van Jefferson, another big body, about 6'1.5", over 200 pounds, who they just traded for this week for really some jelly beans. Late day three picks from the Los Angeles Rams. Another big body on the perimeter and another target for Desmond Ritter. We will see how much he's involved in this game plan this week, but he's wide receiver three for this offense quickly. They struggled before they brought in Van as far as who the pure receivers were on the outside. Because it was really Drake London and nobody else. Again, tight ends and running backs with this offense. But now that they have Van Jefferson, who was really caught in that behind Cooper Cup, behind Puka Nakua, and behind Tutu Atwell who's had a breakout season for the Rams early in 2023 as a former high-round pick out of Louisville a couple years ago. Van quickly became that wide receiver four and wide receiver five alongside Ben Skoranek in Los Angeles. So now he's in Atlanta. He's going to get an opportunity to play. Again, we will see how much he's on the field. I'm thinking maybe 20 to 30% of the snaps, maybe. We will see. But a big body that I think will get some opportunities this week. So they got some big boys on the perimeter for Washington's secondary to counter. So that is the Atlanta Falcons offense. Again, headlined by the big names to focus on, quarterback Desmond Ritter, tight ends, Kyle Pitts and John Smith, running backs Bijan Robinson and Tyler Algier, lineman Chris Lindstrom at guard, Jake Matthews at tackle, and Drake London, wide receiver, uh, number five on the outside, a former first rounder out of USC that is a dynamic athlete, uh, specifically in that 10 to 20 yard range. the offense so now let's flip over to the defensive side of the football and this is where i expect washington to score some points this week guys um i do think they'll be able to score some points this week um look i said the same thing last week against the chicago bears they scored just 20 um for the longest time if you guys have followed the burgundy and gold that 21 point mark has always been huge for the brigand gold. if they don't get there they usually lose games if they usually get it and get that 24 25 26 they win football games but if you're allowing 35 plus a game it's not going to matter right but i do think that washington will score points this week um they brought over some veteran additions along this defensive front grady Jarrett is the headliner at nose tackle really good young player has been since he was a late day three pick all the way back in 2015 he's been excellent for a long time, he's one of the best interior defenders in all of football. Um, so Nick Gates, Sam Cosme, and Sadiq Charles going to have their work cut out again for them within the interior. They brought over Calais Campbell, big body, uh, defensive end. Not the same athlete he used to be years ago in Baltimore, but a veteran, uh, a leader. I've seen it all along the defensive front. Just a humongous body um, for Sam Howell to throw over as well. The guy's about 6'8", big dude uh, at defensive end. They run that three four. So you see a lot of guys rotating in. They'll have some three-man fronts. They'll also show some four-man fronts, five-man fronts, some six-man fronts. They'll show seven-man or eight-man boxes. They'll be very unique within their front seven because they do have some young athletes at the second level. But for now, we'll stay along the defensive front. Again, I mentioned Grady Jarrett and Clayus Campbell. They also brought over David Onyemata, a veteran, uh, followed their defensive coordinator, Ryan Nielsen, over from the New Orleans Saints. He's been really good um, for them thus far through five games. Um, they don't have a ton of sacks, uh, again, through five weeks. But they're, again, a veteran group that really feeds off each other um, within the defensive front. If, some, if the guy's playing well, another guy's going to pop off. Another guy's getting doubled, a guy's usually going to win his one-on-one matchup. Um, but if you look at them from a numbers perspective, Grady Jarrett leads them in pressures. David Onyamon is right behind him. Um, Sack-wise, again, only one guy has multiple sacks. One guy, and that is on Yamada. Troy Anderson has a sack. He's currently out. Uh, Caden Ellis, linebacker, has a sack. Lorenzo Carter is an edge rusher. He's more that depth rotational guy. Grady Jarrett and Bud Dupree, who's on the other side uh, as an outside linebacker, veteran, again, in this league. Spent some time recently in Tennessee, now in Atlanta. A lot of veterans along this front four. Uh, It's going to be a veteran-on-veteran matchup, really, within the trenches this week. Not a lot of young studs. again, within these defensive trenches. I mean, Charles Leno's a veteran, Andrew Wiley, Nick Gates, Sam Cosmi. Now you can consider him a veteran now in year three and Sadiq Charles has been around. And I just mentioned Atlanta's front. So a lot of guys have seen a lot of stuff on either side of the ball and Washington has got to win the trenches this week because Brian Robinson is a key as he is every week in this football game. You do not want Sam Howell dropping back 35 plus times every single week to try to keep you in a football game. That that was the game script last week. Obviously, you're chasing that ball game for the full 60 minutes. Um, Washington came off the bus last week and they they found themselves down 20. That's really what it was. This week they can't have that. It's on the road again. It's tough. Atlanta's going to be fired up. Mercedes-Benz Stadium can get loud. Atlanta is a sports hungry town. They're passionate. Now they are not the same roster that they had when they had Matt Ryan sling it to Julio Jones. But this is a team that's had, that given them a lot of reason for confidence and optimism in Atlanta. NFC South, that's really surprised some through the first month of the season. I know the Carolina Panthers have struggled with first, round, for the first overall pick Bryce Young. They're working through their rebuild. But the Buccaneers have had some success, as have the New Orleans Saints. And of course, again, the Falcons are 3-2. So there's been reason for major optimism now a month into the season. And now that they, they just won last week at home, they come right back again at home. But the trenches is where it starts. At running back for Washington, it's Brian Robinson and who else? Because Chris Rodriguez, day three pick out of Kentucky, hasn't has been consistently inactive, and Antonio Gibson can't hold onto the ball as a ball carrier. So it's Brian Robinson or nobody else. So again, they got to get number eight going early in this ball game to where he can start to turn his legs. I don't ask him for a ten yard carry every single time, but four, five. Six, three, four. You got to start getting some chunk plays, especially on first down. Get some yards. You can't consistently go into second nine and then you're in third and six before you know it. Get into second and five, second and fours. Allows you to take a shot play. Then you get into potentially your third and twos, third and ones. You can be creative on third down. I think Washington's going to take some chances this week if they find themselves in situations where they need to. You can't get to two and four. I think Ron Rivera understands that. There were some times in that Chicago game, that second half, not going for the fourth down, they were like, oh no, can't call him Riverboat Ron anymore. Whatever. Nickname's dumb anyway. Bottom line, Riverboat Ron. Whatever. But put yourself in a position to win football games so you don't have to get into that situation where you have to consistently roll the dice. But I do think this week, if Washington's put in a scenario where they may have to take chances, they will. They will. They will. But overall, that's their defensive front. Veterans, 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 veterans. Rotational guys that you're going to see. I mentioned uh, Lorenzo Carter. They drafted Zach Harrison, day two pick out of Ohio State. Um, Albert Huggins and Eli Anku are their rotational nose slash defensive tackles. D'Angelo Malone's a really fun athlete. They took him on the third round last year, 2022, out of Western Kentucky. He was also a guy that they took out of the Senior Bowl. Man, just a fun, fun, fun athlete um, at his size. Just looks like a damn tight end. Looks like Kyle Pitts. If they were to switch jerseys, you probably wouldn't know who they were with the helmet on, on pads. But D'Angelo Malone's a really fun young player. Again, number 51 out of Western Kentucky, uh, moving into his second year. Uh, Arnold Debichetti, guys, they play. he'll line up at that right outside linebacker spot, uh, right next to Nate Landman and Caden Ellis, who are their inside linebackers. Who really kind of outplay their value as the at that linebacking spot. Again, Caden Ellis came over from New Orleans and, and Nate Landman, Nate Landman, excuse me, former UDFA out of Colorado last year. Um, but Arnold Debacetti, guys, second rounder last year out of Penn State. So they were edge rusher and linebacker heavy last year. They took Troy Anderson out of Montana State. Uh, and then again, Arnold Debacetti and D'Angelo Malone. But Emma Ketty was out of Penn State. And we saw him last year when Atlanta came into town. The spin move that he put on Sam Cosme. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I put it out on Twitter last year. Just look it up and you'll see the type of juice and type of twitch that Arnold has off the edge. Has not been able to put it together a ton yet. Um, but again, early in his career, really that DPR mold. He's just, uh, just a really dynamic athlete that consistently they see come out of Penn State. Um, not huge comparatively to Calais Campbell, right? That will live on that defensive front as that three, four defensive end, that bigger body. He's about six, three, about 250 pounds is what Arnold, Arnold Abichetti is. Um, twitched up, dude, twitched up can win the outside shoulder, can spin to the inside, can have some sneaky power with his hands and can absolutely run the edges, um, and set the edge in the run game as well. So He's a really nice young player that this Atlanta Falcons defense now, again, headed by Ryan Nielsen in his first year as DC um, there in Atlanta. They got some young pieces. So I just mentioned again, Nate Landman and Caden Ellis are their linebackers. As we move back to the secondary to where they got some bodies, folks, they got some bodies. AJ Terrell, first rounder out of Clemson back in the COVID year is one of the more underrated corners in all of football. They traded for Jeff Akuda this offseason, former top five pick of the Detroit Lions out of Ohio State. He looks the part. 6'1", over 200 pounds, just hasn't figured it out yet. Technically, has not figured it out at the NFL level. Was out early in the year, missed the first two weeks, came back, was really first targeted last week against the Texans, where he gave up two catches for 35 yards on two targets. Um, So that is their two, two outside corners, is Terrell and Okuda. Their nickel corner, D. Alford, former UDFA last year. Really good player. Um, I know he's been tested a ton in the slot. He's got the most targets against. He's by 10, excuse me, by 11 targets. He's the most targeted Atlanta Falcons defender. But he lives in the slot. He can set the edge in the run. And the thing about what what impresses me most about D. Alford is his ability to set the edge, uh, again, in the run game. Um, Not the biggest guy in the world. He's about 5'10, 170, 175 pounds, soaking wet. Small school kid out of 10, and not at Tennessee, in a a small school in Tennessee called Tusculum. Really, really small school guy um, that's come into the NFL and earned an opportunity. And he is, I just love stories like him. You know, it reminds me a little bit of Danny Johnson to him. Lives in the slot, provides some special teams value for you. Just a dog, will light you up. Plays the violence behind his pads, even though he's not the biggest guy in the world. And he'll he complements Terrell and Akuda on the outside extremely well again within the inside. So Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson, we see sometimes reduced inside. They're gonna have their work cut out for him in that inside that contact window to where D. Alford makes every rep personal and he makes receivers work to get off the line of scrimmage. Again, he's not 6'2, 6'3 with 32s or 33s for arms. He's just tough as nails. And he understands and trusts his technique. He's good at it. He's excellent in the run game. Guys block it on the perimeter. Or they want to run some outside zone with Brian Robinson or get Antonio Gibson in space. He will quickly shed a block and blow it up in the backfield and blow somebody off their feet. That is D. Alford. Really good player and really underrated um, in this league. As we take a step back, their safeties are Richie Grant, former second round pick out of UCF, and Jesse Bates, their high priced free agent signing. Coming over from the Cincinnati Bengals this year, one of, if not the premier free safety in all of the NFL. He's been fantastic for this group. He can roam hash to hash. He can extend sideline to sideline. He's a ball hawk. He's got excellent instincts. Just extremely smart um, within that third level. Grant will more so live at the second level. If you guys remember Carl Joseph from West Virginia, a hard hitter, live in the box type of athlete. Got some Derek Forrest to his game, but I think Derek right now is a better player than Richie Grant is, even though Richie, again, was taken in round two, and Derek was taken on day three. That is, that's their safeties, but again, Richie's going to live um, in the box. Rotationally, they took DeMarco Helms out of Alabama late on day three, and also in the corners room, but he provides some versatility at nickel as well, and on special teams, guy i really liked in this class and that is clark phillips hasn't had a ton of work so far through five weeks but he again he can play the slot he can play outside he did so at utah and they took him uh, early on day three again fourth rounder out of utah that is clark phillips the third a really fascinating young player uh, really good coverage instincts really good hands just understands what to do flat out in man or in zone understands where his landmarks are not afraid to come up and make plays in the edge in the run game so, this secondary, although it's not considered one of the best in football, with Jesse Bates and AJ Terrell, they got two flat-out studs in the perimeter. So, baiting Sam Howell, they will do that. They will try to make life hell for Sam Howell this week and force him into throwing that may look like a window that's open, and it's not. So, Sam Howell's got his work for out cut out for him if he wants to target these guys, specifically Bates over the top and AJ Terrell, whoever he's on, whether it's on Terry or Jahan, or Curtis Samuel, or De'Ami Brown. I don't expect him to travel. He could. Um, we saw a little bit last year when he traveled with Terry, but they traded for Jeff Akuda for a reason. He looks healthy, most likely going to play upwards of 85 to 95% of the snaps this week. Again, they brought him in for a reason. But if AJ Terrell's locking down number 17, then they're going to keep him there. And they're just going to ask Jeff to slot on the opposite side wherever Terry does not align. So... That is the Atlanta Falcons. Um, for you guys that love special teamers, their punters, Bradley Pinion, Young Wei Koo is their place kicker. One of the better young kickers, really, in all of football, super consistent. Their punt returner is Mike Hughes and their kick returner is Cordell Patterson. Again, I mentioned him on offense, that weapon X. He'll line everywhere and do a little bit of everything for this Falcons group. So guys, that is the Atlanta Falcons. Again, three and two, currently competing for the lead in the NFC South. They're young, specifically on the offensive side of the ball. They're hungry. They're aggressive. They can run downhill and they can pop it over the middle. They got athletes on the perimeter. This is not a bad football team. And quickly, Washington has had a reality check, right? After three straight losses. So going into Atlanta, they got their work cut out for them this week. So bottom line, I'll have an episode out for you guys on Monday morning. Win, loss, or tie to the Atlanta Falcons. Hoping it's a win. Gotta, gotta get back on track for the Washington Commanders. Have got to get, get back on track with two divisional games coming up in back-to-back weeks. Of course, in week seven and week eight. Got to get back on track. Sam Howell, I expect him to rip it. I expect him to be confident. But it really starts with Brian Robinson in this front five. And it starts with pressuring Desmond Ritter and being gap disciplined in the run game against these weapons that they have. This is an offense that can sputter like they did earlier in the year and score 10. Or they can light it up. And they can score 30 plus quickly. And I'm sure that they're excited playing at home and seeing what Washington's defense has been unable to do against any defense the last month of the year. I'm sure they're confident right now. I think it's going to be a tough ball game. I think it's going to be a a bounce here or there that wins this football game. I think it's going to be tight. Not easy to win on the road. But I think Washington should and, and they have to absolutely come out with some fire this week cannot look up in the first quarter and you're down a touchdown. You look up at the, at the half and you're down two, two touchdowns. I, I can't see it. I, I, you cannot have it this week. Cannot have it. So good football team on both sides of the ball, but as is Washington, they got talent. Now they have to execute. And this is a huge moment when they look in the mirror and say, what are we as a football team? They go down and win Atlanta this week and get back to 500. I know that's what we've ex- come to expect with Ron Rivera, sub 500 to 500 football. But this is a game against an up-and-coming team in the NFC where they have to make life hell on Desmond Ritter, a young quarterback in football still trying to figure it out with the talent that you have within your front seven. You got to send pressure this week. There's no excuse to consistently send four this week against an offensive line that can hold their own one-on-one. And they're going to want to double people, and they will. Their tight ends can block, their running backs can block, and their, fi- and their front five can block, again, one-on-one. And Desmond Ritter's going to get the ball out of his hands quick. Manuel Forbes, it's a big week to step up. Quan Martin, hell of a week to step up. Got to show up. The linebacker's got to be better this week, too. Got to see more from Jamin Davis and Cody Barton. Do we see Khalil Hudson? Who knows? We'd like to see him. Jabril Cox, still in the practice squad. Hell of an athlete. Not working at the linebacker position? Bring somebody up that can do it. Show some changes in a willingness to make adjustments. Hopefully, Jack Del Rio is not living on the success from 2022. You're facing better offenses this year. Bottom line, so far early in the year. But as of right now, it doesn't seem like Washington could stop a college team. 144 points allowed the last four games. Let's hope that this group, this talented group, gets back on track here in week six at the Atlanta Falcons. One o'clock on Fox. So enjoy the game, guys. Enjoy college football on Saturday. Enjoy the Oregon and Washington, a top 10 matchup, a battle in the Pac-12. Again, I'll have an episode out for you guys on Monday. Always appreciate you guys tuning in. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. If you don't follow me on Twitter, I'm at underscore Ryan Fowler. Again, enjoy your weekend. Talk to you on Monday. I'm Ryan Fowler, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe.